Hello and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. Each of our Cool Time Life podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity, and technology, and each offers ideas and facts you need to know about to thrive in today's busy world. An index of our podcasts is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast tab. Listen to this quote. You know what? I've had it with Zoom. When I go to work, it isn't just to have meetings. Part of the work experience is just being there, surrounded by people, some I like and some I don't like so much. But it's those casual, non-meeting parts of the day which, surprisingly, makes life at work bearable. I never actually realized that until this year. Those are the words of just one of many people I've interviewed or chatted with, virtually of course, over the course of last year, 2020. It is revealing in its description of the other part of at-work life, the casual part, and how being cut off from that has made a huge impact on people. For a few years prior to 2020, organizations had already been toying with the idea of the mobile workforce, people working from home, joining meetings by way of video, and generally taking advantage of technology to collaborate from anywhere. Despite being hailed by future-of-work gurus like myself, it was viewed as something of a new-age curiosity until about March of 2020, at which point people everywhere found themselves with no choice but to try it for themselves as the world went into lockdown. And then there everybody was, struggling to fit a workday inside their own homes. The new work-from-home clothing culture reflected this new position with business clothes above the desk and casual or even sweatpants below. It was all based on the fact that that little, tiny pinhole camera on the top frame of laptops and phones was now the sole point of visual connection for people. Others discovered the magic of virtual backgrounds as a way to hide the fact that they were working in the kitchen or the living room. I remember interviewing one IT specialist, for example, who had decided to use a video loop of the server room that he was in charge of as his virtual background. This was a room full of large server racks with an engineer walking past. The loop was quite short, which meant that every 60 seconds, that same engineer would walk past, just like the repeating backgrounds in those old Flintstones cartoon chase scenes. In another virtual background occurrence, I couldn't help but admire the beautiful oceanfront condo that my client was working in until her hubby appeared out of nowhere, penetrating the digital curtain, put a cup of tea on her desk, and then backed out again into nothingness as if he had brought tea from another dimension. The work-from-home thing has become a central part of the world's largest forced experiment called lockdown. For people like me who have been working from home for much of our professional lives, it was not a great shift at all. But even for us, that sense of complete extended isolation from the 3D world was still somewhat palpable. So from the standpoint of analyzing how work and productivity happens within a team, it is this isolation that I have found to be most interesting. It's not the work specifically, but the spaces between the work, the non-work, if you will, that is getting people down. Look at the things we are missing. Activities like meeting and greeting people and shaking hands, grabbing a coffee at the local coffee shop, even standing in line to pick up your order. The proximity of other people in an elevator or a crowded rush hour train or on the sidewalk. Prior to 2020, very few people exclaimed, gosh, I love the sensation of standing shoulder to shoulder with closely packed commuters every evening. But with its disappearance came a form of magnified solitude, like detention after school, or sitting in your house during a widespread power failure. The silence is quite deafening. Meeting by video chat was once the stuff of science fiction. It featured prominently in Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, where Haywood Floyd placed a call to his daughter from the space station's booth next to the Howard Johnsons. 
Twenty years after that movie's setting, video chat has become the obligatory go-to. But some observers have identified a form of sadness that comes from using this technology from a work-from-home location, specifically when the call comes to an end, and they have named this Zoom gloom. Perhaps that's because of all the video chat technologies on the market. Zoom unexpectedly rocketed to the top of the pyramid as the device of choice. Maybe that is because it does not carry the same enterprise-grade mantle as its competitors like Microsoft Teams, or maybe Zoom gloom stuck because it rhymes, whereas not much rhymes with Webex. But the concept of Zoom gloom, of course, attaches itself to any brand of video chat, and it's not due to any technical deficiencies on the product itself, but instead it comes from the sense of isolation that happens once the call has ended. We are brought back to the reality of our lonely home office. It's kind of like when a concert or a movie ends and the house lights come up, and everyone's like, "Well, oh well, back to normal life, I suppose." Zoom gloom reminds us of an absence, like hunger does. It points out what is not there, and what is not there is the presence of other people, even the annoying ones, existing around you, walking past your desk, having conversations on the phone just within earshot, heading to the kitchenette or lobby or to a meeting. People coming and going and simply being are part of work life, and they delivered a hum, a vibration, a collective presence. The hunger for this collective presence is what made our ancestors all over the world seek out other people and then build villages. With community comes the sense of self, surrounded by the support and presence of others. There is no fun in being an individual if you have no one to be individual with. Separating us from this hum was one of the big oversights of a fast-tracked work-from-home model. No one is to blame for this, of course. Who knew that we would miss the very thing that people have often complained about? I've been delivering time management courses for 25 years. In fact, that's where my podcast's title comes from: staying cool amid the interruptions, the distractions, and the pressures of work life. But in quarantining ourselves from the virus, we also quarantined ourselves from a real-time, candid community. And logging onto a scheduled meeting on Zoom just doesn't replace that, even if you can bring your cat. Working from home is obviously very different from working at the office, but maybe more so than people expected. In theory, if you are a knowledge worker, someone whose job is based largely on using a computer, it shouldn't be that different. It's the same emails, the same online calendar, and the same meetings, except on on video chat. But the problem is hidden in its name. People can't work from home, but they can work at home. There's a big difference. But in seeking a quick replacement to in-person office work, most organizations basically just lifted and shifted their practices wholesale onto its employees' home offices, and that was not a good fit. For most people, working from home means adapting the home to fit the demands of the office. The office was a place where meetings happened, and bosses comforted themselves in seeing their employees busy at work, putting in that FaceTime that, for decades, has been a powerful, if inaccurate, indicator of productivity. Being at work in an office also meant that people could be temporarily freed from those home things that we love, but also need to get away from—pets and the little darlings—as well as the demands of running a home. Yes, we all love that stuff, but we can all do with a break from it. And going to work, including the commute, gave people that break. So going to the place of work was, for some, as much an escape from home life as home life was an escape from work. There's a balance there. People soon found out, however, that working from home meant having to accommodate the pace and the structure of the workplace from the living room or kitchen table, and it wasn't just about logging onto Zoom, throwing on something other than a sweatshirt, and maybe pulling up that digital background. We also had to dress up in the work personality, something that wasn't generally shown off at home. 
Your away-from-home work persona has no place in the warm intimacy of the home any more than fluorescent lights do. The home is a place that other people are not allowed to enter until asked, and even then there must be protocols in place to ensure the sanctity of the living space is not violated. So our communication technology delivers a disconnect even though we are connected by it. We can appear in a one-dimensional space like a voice on a phone call, and we can appear now in two-dimensional space like faces on a Zoom wall. We can even represent ourselves in three-dimensional space using virtual reality and augmented reality with headsets from Oculus or HoloLens. If you have ever done any online gaming, you know that there's a fantastic amount of detail and activity going on in the backgrounds and the foregrounds of these multiplayer games. So a number of technology companies and startups have offered a 3D space where your avatars can go and walk around on a campus or in a classroom and interact. With Verbella, for example, you can enter a virtual lecture hall and choose your seat. Sit where you want to, look around, and see who else is there. Spatial.io has an amazing avatar generator. Upload a favorite photograph of yourself and it will scan it to create a very detailed avatar that really looks like you. No more looking like a character from your old Wii exercise game. Facebook offers a product called Infinite Office, which currently resembles a heads-up display version of a Slack channel paired with the floating visuals that Tom Cruise used in Minority Report. There's a company called V-Spatial, which offers something similar, the curved screen cockpit-style interface. It seems to be a big thing here, with semi-realistic avatars of colleagues and customers floating around like Cheshire cats. By the way, links to all the companies I've mentioned here are available in the show notes to this podcast. So the future of 3D meeting spaces is on its way, and soon the bulky Oculus-type headsets will be replaced by something far less burdensome. And I think there will be great pleasure for all of us to be able to sit at a virtual table and look to the left and to the right and see other people in the meeting. Because even when we return to a new post-pandemic normal, in which most people will likely return to their brick-and-mortar workplaces, there still will be some who choose to work from home as part of a remote or distributed team. This will be a significant part of the future of work. In fact, it will likely be one of the key offshoots of the 2020 pandemic-forced experiment. Companies will start to adopt a distributed teams model in which everyone on a team works from their home office and will be driven by a key fiscal reality. If you don't need so many people in your building, then you don't need as much floor space, which means cost savings. But office communication devices like email, video chat, and virtual meeting spaces were built for specific finite events, such as sending a message or having a meeting. There doesn't seem to be anything yet that replicates the passive atmosphere of people just being people in between the formal events. Think of all those times when you were trying to get work done back at the office. Or maybe when you walked from your workstation to the washroom, casually surveying who's in today, who's out, who's heading to the kitchenette or the elevators, who's working hard and who is trying to look like they're working hard. They are the background extras to the movie that is your life at work. They are part of what makes an office alive, even if they are not doing anything special. The fact that they are there is a comfort for your tribal self. They are the visual social realities that your brain has evolved receptors for. So the question becomes, how can people replicate that three-dimensional sense of being in a place with other people when you are not actually in the same building as them and when you are not actually meeting with them? How can we generate and deliver the comfort of being part of a real online community? Well, maybe I shouldn't have knocked that old Wii video game like I did a few minutes ago, because what I'm picturing is something that looks like Wii, after all, but better. I'm sure there are much more recent online games that you could mention here as well, but what I remember about Wii bowling or running the paths of Wii Island, for example, was that there were always other people around. 
These could have been random characters generated by Wii, or they could have been other people's avatars from people you've played with in the past, but there was something amazingly comforting about seeing other people bowling or running independently nearby. It gave your presence context. And I think that's what we need. A passive landscape that represents our workspace, in which the other people in our working lives are visible, milling around in the background. The virtual workspace doesn't need to be an exact replica of your real office. In fact, it could be situated anywhere. Nor would the avatars of the other people have to exactly look like what their owners are doing at this moment or even represent what actions they are doing. I'm not looking for a security camera or an espionage situation, but it would be nice when one of my colleagues logs into work from wherever and that his or her avatar suddenly appears in this virtual office space. There's a presence that comes with that. If this person wants to be left alone to get work done, the avatar could sit motionless at a desk, perhaps swathed in soft red lighting to say, go away. And if a group of my colleagues are in a Zoom meeting, then their avatars in the virtual workspace could appear as all huddled in a meeting room, a nice clear message that they are not to be disturbed right now. But when I feel it's time for some interaction, maybe while the real me feels like making a cup of tea in my real-world home office, my virtual me might wander over to some communal space and see who comes over to join me for a chat. Again, I know these types of technologies exist for formalized events. I would just like to have one that is on all the time, as if the company actually set up shop on Wee Island. There's certainly enough bandwidth and processing power to make this happen, and I strongly believe that this casual community feel will do wonders to fill in this large void that working from home creates and that Zoom gloom magnifies for many people. I'm not sure if this casual VR village type technology exists outside the gaming world or as an offshoot to the technologies I described above, and if you know of one, I'd love to hear about it. But I think this is one of the great discoveries of an excessively challenging year. Ultimately, it's people. We need them around. We shouldn't have to commute to a single space to do it, but bottom line, I need you around even when I don't need you around. So, there you have it. That's just my little podcast on the passive virtual presence and what we can learn from hanging out on Wee Island. If you have a comment about this podcast or a question you'd like answered in a future episode, please let me know. You can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E dot com. Where you can also find my links to Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review and just tell one more person, perhaps, about this podcast. By the way, a full listing of my past episodes is available at steveprentice.com forward slash podcast. I try to keep the episodes evergreen so that the concepts don't get dated too quickly. So check them out and download whatever feels good. Until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Stay safe and thanks for listening. <laughs>